Hey, Barb, Ron, how you doing? Good, good. Hey, sure we're getting enough snow lately, aren't we? Man, I'd like it to shut off one of these days. Can't wait for spring. Speaking of spring, how do you think the twins are going to do this year? Good. Good. Kind of like 91, make a run like 91? Yeah, all right, good. Well, hey, I got to go. Got a sermon to preach here. Good talking to you. Take care. Have a good day. Small talk. That's what we call that. Casual conversation. Most often it's, uh, it's polite. At least I hope you was polite. I didn't call you out too much here, I think. But, uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's also something that uh, we recognize as pretty superficial, pointless doesn't really go anywhere. Most of us engage in it from time to time, not because we want to learn something or, or communicate some important information, but because I guess we, we just don't feel comfortable with silence or we want to be courteous or friendly to people. Jesus engaged in a little small talk this morning that we heard in our, our gospel reading. He starts it by asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of water. Now that's probably a conversation that shouldn't have happened due to the, uh, the cultural impropriety in those days of women speaking publicly with, with strange men. In fact, that woman was shocked herself. She says, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? In talking with her, though, Jesus begins a conversation that causes this woman to develop a thirst. And before the day is over, Jesus gives her a drink of water. Water that, come to find out, she'd been searching for all her life. When you listen to this woman's story, you can't help but see that, like, like every one of us, she was searching for a satisfying, and fulfilling life. I mean, who doesn't want that? We spend our most productive years in life trying to, trying to reach for it. But yet it's always something that, that seems to be just out of reach. It's more than being rich or successful or healthy or even content. It's more than getting out of the house and having a career or getting that promotion. It's more than being the best that you can be, or even just being yourself. Having those things might be nice, but it doesn't translate into total satisfaction that life has been lived to its fullest. There's something more, something beyond what this world can offer. And you know, we are restless until we can find and possess that something. It was no accident that Jesus went through Samaria that day and stopped at the well. This woman was searching. She was spiritually dehydrated. And Jesus wanted to give her a drink. This woman is typical of us for, for another reason. I mean, in her search for fulfillment, she was fooled into thinking that her thirst could be satisfied through quick fixes. I mean, look at her life. Through a 
a nifty display of, of divine omniscience and then direct confrontation, Jesus maneuvered the conversation so that the truth of this woman's life became exposed. There was immorality in that life. There was the notion that happiness could be found if only you could, you could find the right male companion. Having gone through five husbands and now living with a man who wasn't her husband was proof that she was looking for love in all the wrong places and not finding it. There was also superficial religion in this woman's life. Being a Samaritan, and that is, a kind of a half-Jew. Samaritans lived close to the Jews, but they had a, a common ancestry. But they only accepted the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. And in a way, I suppose, could be kind of like our relationship today to the Jews. You know, they had part of God's word, but not all of it. And so she had a partial knowledge of the true God. And it was clear that it was a very impersonal relationship that she had to God. Religion for her only meant being connected to that Old Testament patriarch Jacob and to, to that well that was nearby and to the holy Mount Gerizim and to who had the correct form of worship, the Samaritans or the Jews. She had only a vague concept of the Messiah who was to come. Her religion, in other words, was nothing more than, than uh, ethnic loyalty, personal pride, kind of like my church is better than yours, or my church is more correct than yours. She was a confirmed card-carrying Samaritan and proud of it. But certainly there was no source of spiritual strength or life fulfillment in that kind of religious quick fix. And finally, there was, there was guilt in this woman's life. Did you notice it? Whenever the conversation became uncomfortable, whenever the spotlight on her personal life became too bright, she very conveniently switched subjects. She knew the quick fix method for dealing with guilt. You avoid it. Cover it up. Excuse it as nothing serious. Or you justify it as not being your fault. But you certainly don't take responsibility for it. Confess it and repent of it. This woman was searching for the water of a fulfilled life, but she was satisfying herself with superficial and temporary thirst quenchers. And the real tragedy is that she didn't even know she was doing it. Do we? You know, it, it's easy for us, too, to get fooled into thinking that we have all these needs that have to be met in order to be fulfilled. And those temporary thirst quenchers and quick fixes look so appealing. I mean, why not fix loneliness and the need to be accepted with a compulsive use of social media or drugs or alcohol? Why not fix loneliness and the need to be accepted with all of those things? And it's, you know, it seems so right nowadays 
to fulfill the, the need for love and financial support by cohabiting with a sexual partner, not your spouse. Don't, uh, doesn't our need for easy divorce and abortion rights give us the right to preserve our freedoms then? And how can you satisfy that inner drive to excel? You know, unless you passionately devote your life and all of your energy toward the need for being the best or for getting ahead or for overcoming that fear of inadequacy and failure or whatever else motivates workaholics. We fix our need and our, our disagreements at home with anger and blaming and we fix our need to possess with the buying of more and more things. And our guilt? What do we do with, with guilt? It's been observed that our modern spiritual dilemma is that we've become a people with a sense of guilt but with no sense of sin. You know, we want to free ourselves from moral restraints, from the right and the wrong of God's clear and absolute law. But kind of like this, this, spiritual, this Samaritan woman, we simply can't free ourselves from the consequences of breaking that law. 20th century Christian author C.S. Lewis once put it this way, we can't break God's law. We can only break ourselves against God's law. Certainly, no superficial religion can be expected to fix the pain of a guilty conscience before God and then to bring us peace and, and happiness in life. You know, just like physical dehydration, spiritual dehydration can sneak up on you, it can fool you into poor judgment. And once fooled into trying these quick fixes, you get hooked. You've got to keep coming back to the well. In fact, our condition becomes worse and worse. The more we try to fix, the thirstier we get. Jesus deliberately started this whole conversation by asking for a drink. The living water that he was offering and physical water both give life. Of course, the only difference is H2O requires you to come back for more. It doesn't permanently satisfy. The Samaritan woman understood at least that much when she said, Sir, give me this water so that I, I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw. She maybe didn't know it at the time, but she was tired of her addiction. She wanted relief. And she was about to get it. So what is this, this living water that Jesus offers that satisfies so completely? And what does it look like? And how can you drink it? Well, as John's gospel unfolds, we get a, a pretty good picture. Three chapters later, at the Feast of Tabernacles, that was that annual commemoration there uh, that recalled the wilderness wandering, and living in tents there in the wilderness in the Old Testament. At that Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up in the Jerusalem temple and said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, 
from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You see, God's Old Testament people believed that the Messianic age would dawn when water would start flowing from the temple, just like it did there from the rock there in the Old Testament in the wilderness that we heard about in our first reading. Well, that day had now dawned. What Jesus makes clear here is that he gives this living water. We don't get a fulfilled life because we went all kinds of religious journeys searching for it or completed the right spiritual exercises in achieving it. Jesus says later in John, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus came looking for this woman. Just like John came looking for Abram, the idol worshiper, and made him our father in the faith. The same way that he came to Peter and his motley crew of fishermen and made them his disciples. The same way that he came after Saul, the persecutor of Christians, and made him the great missionary to the Gentiles. This woman was lost. Jesus found her. She was thirsty. Jesus gave her a drink. And the water that he gave her to drink was the plain truth of who she was and of who he was. Nowhere else in the Gospels did Jesus speak more plainly and directly than to this woman when he said, woman, believe me. I who am speaking to you, I am the Messiah. Not only does Jesus give the water of life, you see, he is the water of life. By coming to him and drinking, we're doing no less than believing the message about him and then completely trusting in him. Drinking, drinking the water of life is not holding on to a form of religion, you know, or holding church membership on that mountain or, or in such and such a denomination or in this building. It's holding on to Christ. Having the abundant and fulfilled life is not, is not one success after another, you know, no more pain or, or suffering or sickness. But while having those trials, it's knowing that Christ is with us, comforting, forgiving, strengthening us through his word. It's knowing that he offers and seals to us that forgiveness of sins and eternal life as we eat and drink his body and blood. It's knowing and feeling again that he is my, my lover, the thrill of being in love with him, and the excitement that comes from just being with him every chance we get. Are you having that love affair with Jesus? Jesus has a way of showing up sometimes where we least expect him. He finds us by the well where we like to, to dip for life's fulfillments. He shows us how thirsty we are and he says, I've got water. 
Today again, he invites us in the words of St. John's Revelation, come and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Do you know someone who needs to hear that invitation? Someone who is thirsty? You can show up in their life with the same living water, with the same Jesus who is your lover. All it might take to get started is a little small talk. And the peace of Christ be with you as we go forth in his name. Amen.